I got to stand up here with a bright light, huh? I don't. I, I. I don't care. I think I'll be. I think I'll be all right. We'll. We'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. Uh oh. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to learn how to use this. <laughs> how very special you are. Hmm? Know it. Believe it understand it. You are part of God's creation. He made you. I like to tell a lot of stories, and this is one of my favorites. It's about a man who dies, right? And he's met by St. Peter. And uh, St. Peter asks him, do you want to go to heaven or do you want to go to hell? And uh, the man says, well, I want to see both before I decide. <laughs> so they go downstairs and go through a door that's marked hell. And inside, they see all these emaciated, starving people, just skin and bone. Their eyes are bugging out of their heads. They're sitting around this table, staring at all this most wonderful food. It's the most delicious food he'd ever seen. Turkey, steak, ham, bacon, barbecue, twice-baked potatoes, all kinds of fruits and vegetables. And the man was like, what in the world is going on? They're just sitting there staring at this food. St. Peter explained that this table setting included a six foot or a three foot, a three foot long spoon. And because the spoon was so long, they had to use it. They couldn't get the food any other way. They couldn't get the food into their mouths. And so they were starving. So distressed at all the horror that he saw, I said, Let's, uh, let, I, I want to get out of here. I need to go see heaven. So they went upstairs and went into a door marked heaven. And they found the exact same table with all this beautiful, wonderful food around there. And the people sitting around it were all fat and happy and having a great time and laughing and full of joy. And they, too, had the, the three-foot-length spoon that they were supposed to use. But they were reaching across the table and feeding their neighbor, huh? Hmm? Weeism. That's where the true joy can be found. But the devil, the devil's active in us. Meism. Don't do anything. Don't reach out to your neighbor. It's, it's like two dogs that are fighting inside us. One evil and one good. Which one of the dogs are going to win the battle? Hmm? The one that we choose to feed. Reaching across the table to our neighbor makes life worth living. It can provide all the happiness one could ever hope for or dream of. It doesn't take great knowledge, experience, or skill. You just need to do something. As Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed a hundred hungry people, feed one. At times, at times I think we study the problems too much. We make them too complicated and end up with what Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said was paralysis of analysis. If people need water, 
Dig a well. You don't study it to death. Pick up a shovel. In Luke 10, the priest and the Levite in the parable of the Good Samaritan were not bad people. They were the respected leaders of the day. It's just that they didn't do anything. It was the heretic, the half-breed, the Samaritan that Christ held up as an example for us to follow. Why? Because he did something. He reached out to his neighbor in need. As Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, 31, the sheep and the goats are separated not based on their goodness or badness, but they're based on what they did or did not do. They were separated by who had fed the hungry, who had given the thirsty something to drink, who had clothed the naked, and who had cared for the sick and visited those in prison. So we at Marion Medical Mission, we strive to be doers of the word. We strive to do the very best we can with where we are, with what we have, and then intentionally step out beyond what we can do by ourselves, where we must rely on God. And this one, I'm going to have to repeat this because I love this. When David faced Goliath, he didn't think the stone was too small. He believed Goliath was too big to miss. God didn't call the U.S. Marines. He has called us. But too often, too often like King David, we count our troops. What will the budget allow us to do? We didn't, we didn't plan for that. We forget that a shepherd boy without armor killed Goliath with a slingshot. We're the shepherd boy, not the king who <clears throat> messes everything up. Marion Medical Mission means joy, making life count, making a difference, adventure, goodwill. A Marion Medical Mission well represents self-help. The village people do what they can. They make the brick. They dig the well. They gather the stone and the sand and provide the unskilled labor. A Marian medical mission well is one that utilizes the talents of the Africans, subsistence farmers who are maintenance people, make the Mark V galvanized steel pumps and the foot valves and the plungers, and they build the wells. A Marian medical mission well is one that the extreme poor know how to maintain. And it's a well the extreme poor can afford to maintain. A Marian medical mission well means the children will no longer die from waterborne diseases. And the village people will be healthier and able to work longer in their fields, producing more food, meaning what? Less starvation. Hmm? No one builds the number of wells in Africa that Marian Medical Missions builds that are sustainable. Last year, last year we built a record 3,855 wells. Last year, hmm? in one year, covering 60,000 square miles. Huh? providing an estimated 385,000 of the extreme poor 
again, with a sustainable source of safe drinking water. 231,000 children. Hmm? And at each and every single well, the village people are told that their well is special because Christians in the United States share the love of Jesus with them. So what do these 385,000 people think about Christianity? And what do they think about the United States? Hmm? Sharing the love of Jesus is the best defense against war and terror, right? But we forget. We forget and too often trust the sword more than the crown. A Marion Medical Mission well for an entire village costs just $450. Back, back in the 1990s, when the well program first started, we were told, you can't build wells in Eutini, it's too far. And then it was, you can't build wells in Chatipa. It's farther and it's rougher and the roads are just terrible. In fact, they're non-existent in a lot of places. Then you can't build wells in central Malawi, you can't build wells in Zambia, you can't build wells in Tanzania. And in 2022, last year, we were told, you can't build wells in Mozambique, it's dangerous. Yet last year, last year, we went into Mozambique to expand our well program. Now, Mozambique is a country where attacks by militant groups are common, and human rights groups have reported the lots of, lots of damage and destruction. But our experience, however, was very good. It was truly extraordinary. And it's really a, a, a great fit, a perfect fit for who Marion Medical Mission is. On October 7th and 8th, Mr. Jordan Banda, the Senate of Nkoma Well Program Coordinator, and Mr. Watson Capachica, who's a field officer in Machinji, and Mr. Keynes Kadafa, a Machinji Installation Supervisor, and I went into Mozambique using only a border pass. No passports, no visas, and they issue border passes to the people who live along the border so they can visit their relatives, right? So I show up at the border guard, the Mozambican border guard, and he looks at me and he says, uh, you don't have any relatives over here. <laughs> Mr. Banda went and got the Paramount Chief, the traditional authority in Ponda. And he was waiting for us to cross the border along with a number of other important people. We had, there was a choir there and there were lots of people ready to dance and celebrate our, our arrival. And the chief went to the border guard and he looked at him and he said, we need safe drinking water in Mozambique. Hmm? And the pumps for the wells that have been built 
are in their pickup trucks. And the chief looked at him and said, you will let him in, leaving no room for any kind of discussion. Hmm? So the Mozambican official changed his mind. And we went in and we met with the traditional authority, the group village headmen. We met with local pastors and government officials. And then together, we installed 13 pumps and 13 wells in two days. And there were large, enthusiastic crowds at each and every well. The joy, the excitement, the love, you should have been there. You should have been there. The well program has expanded almost every single year and is expanding this year, 2023, into Tanzania, in the Sangia district, in Zambia, in the Putuka, I think I pronounced that right, Putuka village, or Putuka district, and in Malawi, right, in the Kota South, in the Dedza district, and into Salima. And we're going to go further south into Mozambique this year. And again, we cover over 60,000 square miles. This, this well program has brought people together. The extreme poor, the not so poor, the wealthy, black people, white people, Americans, Africans, white collar, blue collar, college professors and those who have never attended school. God's creation. This, this is an example of what is right in the world. It's an example of what can happen when God's people come together. Through this program, we are a part of each other, the beloved community that spans the globe. This is a story that the world needs to hear. It's not an issue of good people versus bad people. It's an issue of weism versus meism. It's an issue of doing or not doing. It's an issue of faith. It's an issue of reaching across and feeding your, your neighbor. So buy a well for $450 and we'll send you a picture. We'll send you a picture of the actual well your funds helped to build. And when we die, and we meet our maker. I don't think he's gonna ask us if we've been good people or bad people. When we die, I don't think he's gonna ask us to explain the Holy Trinity or to recite the books of the Bible. I think what's going to be asked is, when my son was hungry, did you feed him? When he was thirsty, did you give him something to drink? When he was naked, did you clothe him? When he was sick, did you visit him? Hmm? What you do, speak so loud I can't hear what you say. Hmm? <laughs> and when you pray, move your feet. Huh? May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. And grace to remember that the world is now too dangerous for anything but the truth. And too small 
for anything but love. That's a quote from William Sloan Coffin. And I forgot my video. <laughs> Can you play it now, maybe? Okay. I am what I am because of who we all are. If I diminish you, I diminish myself. Ubuntu addresses a central tenet of African philosophy. It's the essence of what it is to be human. People with Ubuntu are not threatened by the goodness in others because their own self-esteem, self-worth is generated by knowing they belong to a greater whole. I am human because I belong. A person is a person through other people. No one comes into the world fully formed. We would not know how to think, or walk, or speak, or behave unless we learned it from our fellow human beings. We need other human beings in order to be human. The solitary, isolated human being is a contradiction in terms. We are different so that we can know our need for one another. The only way we can ever be human is together. The only way we can be free is together. If we could but recognize our common humanity, that we do belong together, that our destinies are bound up in one another's, that we can be free only together, that we can survive only together, that we can be human only together, then a glorious world would come into being where all of us lived harmoniously together as members of one family, the human family. All right, all right. Mama, you want to come up and tell them the truth? that hopefully God won't strike me. But <laughs> uh, in Malawi, before someone comes before a group or a congregation, we have to greet you. So, Maneri Mose, in response, you say Yewo. Maneri Mose. Yewo. Now, I'd like to uh, continue with Tom's remarks. I'm going to grab my glasses here um, so that I can keep it short. Well, how is it possible for protected water wells for a village to cost $450 a well? A Marion Medical Mission well used to cost $500 to build back in 1990. In today's dollars at 3% per annum, our well should cost $1,377. It is impossible, but it is possible through God. It is possible by working together. 
Working together, that means we, the we-ism that Tom talks about, about you, that you talk about during this entire weekend, each part working together. As in Corinthians 12, 12, there is one body, but it has many parts, but all of its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. To build these wells at this cost requires all of us, the donors, Marion Medical Mission, by being faithful in God's stewardship in utilizing the donations given, the maintenance men trained to manufacture the pump and downhole parts, the village community providing what they can, our builders and supervisors, and our field officers and coordinators, our accountants in Africa, who are focused on transparency and accountability. All who understand and are committed to life-giving water for their people. Last year, in the midst of a cholera outbreak, our field officers, who had almost completed their planned wells for 2022, asked for more wells. They would not be paid more, but the need was there. The field officer this church sponsored, Louis Nalungwe, for example, has a contract to build 100 wells a year. But last year, he built 240 wells. He committed to building 157. He had 800 applications. He committed to building 157 and completed his goal before Tom and I left for Malawi October 16th. But he asked before we left for 93 additional wells to be built before the rains came last year. Now this isn't an easy task because he and his supervisors will have to organize the villages and make sure the community understands our program of self-help and sustainability. <clears throat> he, he has to organize, they have to organize a well committee of 10 of 10, five women and five men. <clears throat> and he had to do all of this before they can begin building. Now, he didn't receive a dollar more beyond the 100 wells he is contracted to, but he is an example of our field officers who choose faithfulness to God, to God's call to give his children a cup of clean water. And the stewardship of the resources we are given is shared by all. We keep our protected water program the main thing, but there is more to MMM's story. How can we not feed the hungry when the Senate asks MMM to help during a famine from a severe drought? When babies cried because mothers weren't able to give breast milk? When children would scatter to the roadside when they see a maize truck go, go by hoping to pick up the kernels of corn that might fall on the ground when fathers leave their villages in search for food. Mary Medical Mission provided 43,000 bags of maize, and each bag fed a family of six for a month. <clears throat> we have built nine schools since Mary Medical Mission was founded. One was the first school for the hard of hearing in the entire northern Malawi in 1994. In several of these schools, we provide secondary school scholarships 
we provided 155 secondary school scholarships last year. And without that aid, those children will not be able to afford the school fees to attend. We provided 63 transportation scholarships to hearing impaired children so they can travel to the Mbanguini School for the Heart of Hearing where they room and board for three terms of the year. These schools receiving scholarships grants are ranked among the highest schools in the region for their excellent scholastic standing. Children, knowing that there is a possibility of attending secondary school, study hard to pass examinations. We have given these children hope. In return, the scholarship recipients agree to mentor students or offer other services to benefit their school or community. At the Mbanguini School for the Heart of Hearing, it is an annual struggle to feed 180 children. The government provides only a fraction of their needs. MMM provides a seed and fertilizer to grow two-thirds of their food needs while teaching agriculture at the same time. We assist with notebooks and pencils. When the hearing impaired students graduate with a junior certificate in carpentry, they cannot earn a living without carpentry tools. We provide each graduate with a complete set of carpentry tools. It is a real challenge for students to sit on the floor all day to do their classwork. They have to do all their writing on their laps. It is especially difficult for older girls who are required to cover their knees and wear skirts. They often hesitate to answer questions since they have to stand and adjust their skirts to do so. When it rains, the children sit on a damp and cold floor or not come to school at all. This year, we are providing 240 older students in grades six to eight with standardized desks and chairs, and we hope to do more. We are always joyous when students report their achievements. Fanny, who graduated from the Mbanguini School for the Heart of Hearing, is a special education teacher now. Hope Sokol will be working full-time at the Baptist University in Lolongwe after he achieves his master's degree in computer engineering in May. There are just a couple, the many, many stories. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares its joy. You are the body of Christ. Each one of us is a part of it. Join us as one body to celebrate two milestones on July 15th in Marion, Illinois. 50,000 wells and Tom's 80th birthday. You know, I was reading this and I thought, well, I forgot the third milestone, which is my putting up with Tom for 60 years, but <laughs> I didn't know if I was supposed to say that. <laughs> but our four coordinators, uh, Reverend Wasakifa from Tanzania, Mr. Mahanga from Zambia, Jordan Ben and Yalino Kosa uh, from Malawi will be there as well, who are a part of every single one of these wells. <clears throat> when it is likely that one child under the age of five in the areas we serve die from water-related diseases, let's thank God for the 50,000 children that will live this year and the 50,000 children that will live next year and the next year 
and the next year. Praise God. Thank you. We have a few minutes before moving over to the sanctuary for the traditional service, and I'm wondering, does anybody have any questions for Tom and Jocelyn about their ministry? Go ahead. Did you hear, Tom, the average depth of a well? Uh, average, average depth of a well is, say, 15, 15 foot, 20 foot. Fairly, fairly, they are shallow wells. But uh, when, I, when we take volunteers, and we'll take, we've taken up to 40 volunteers uh, with us. I have two teams, 20 on each team. Um, I tell the volunteers, I said, you know, when you're in the cities in Lilongwe and Mazuzu and Karanga, uh, don't drink the pipe water, because if you do, you get sick. But when you're out in the village and you get thirsty and you want something to drink, you can drink from these wells because it's safe. And one of the things that happens is, you know, the people, the people on that side, the field officers, the installation supervisors, they decide where the wells are going to be built, right? And sometimes it's, you know, uh, where they get their water now. But what we do is we protect it. If the, bell, if, if the well is built correctly, and all of almost, I don't know of any wells that's not, we've got a lot of people who've been, all right? Safe drinking water. Safe drinking water. And the village people. Oh, it's like uh, Harry was talking about Hassan Malazi and how he pointed out where the cholera was in Karanga, and we went up and put our wells in, and all of a sudden, no more, no, no more, no more, no more cholera. So anyway, it's, it's really neat. Uh, and and what, one of the things that if I, I wish I could take all of you. I wish I could take all of you and set you down in a village right now. I mean, I could take an individual and I'd set you down in a village, right? They wouldn't know who you were. They wouldn't know why you were there. But they'd find a chair, set it under a tree or in the shade someplace, and then they'd come and greet you. And then they would run off to try to find you something to eat because you're a guest. All right? So, anyway, yeah. I can remember when you were here a few years ago, and, and you referenced a statistic that blew my mind. You talked about the wells being maintainable and affordable to maintain, and you used a statistic about how many of the wells you've created are still operating. Can you talk about that? One of the things, uh, you know, what one of the things the volunteers do when they go out is, is they're not the experts in build, well building. It's it's the the Africans that are the experts. They drive a truck and they go to a village, and what they do is they take a have an Android device, and on that Android they take a GPS reading. They write down the num the name of the village, the number of people who will use it, uh, who the builder was, and all kinds of information about about that well. And it goes in that in that database, and then that means that that. And they take a picture, and that picture is what we send out to the person who comes up and, and provides the, the, the money for the well. But that means all we know where our wells are. How many organizations that build wells 
out in wherever know where those know where those wells are. Not 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 very many of them. They can't find them. But we know where all our wells are. And what happens? We have 21 field officers. All right. And each field officer has an area of about 3,000 square miles that they're responsible for. And every single year, each field officer gets a random, a random sample of the wells in his area that he's to go out and survey and bring that information back. It goes on that Android device. So we can determine what the functionality is of the wells in that area for each of the field officers. Last year, it went from 88% to 91%, depending on which the, the field was. Now, I don't know if you all know anything about wells in Africa, but uh, it's probably around 20%. <laughs> I, mean, I, I shouldn't have said that because I really don't know, uh, because most of the people don't know. But our wells are being maintained. And why are they being maintained? Because the people value them. They understand that it means that their children won't die. It means that they'll be healthier and able to work longer in their fields, producing more food. They know that. And then the key, people, is building a well that the extreme poor not only know how to maintain, but can afford to maintain. You know what it costs us? It costs a village to maintain a well? Anybody got an idea? Who, who, who knows? Just throw a figure out. What do you think it takes to maintain one of these wells for an entire year? Oh, somebody said $10. They, they heard me tell the story before. Unreal. How is that possible? And what we do is we take the village, village committee, select somebody to become the maintenance person. Right? They select somebody. The village people do. That means that's somebody that they know. That means that person's family. That means that person's children benefit from the safe drinking water. And this person that they select then works with our skilled builders. And after that fifth well, they know that well inside and out. And we give him a T-shirt, a baseball cap, and a pipe wrench, and Marion Medical Mission is done. It's up to them to take care of that well. Well breaks down. They fix it. If they fix it within 48 hours, the village owes them a chicken or some vegetables or what, what. That's how they're paid, okay? It's really extraordinary. So anyway, uh, come to Africa with us, huh? I don't know whether you, uh, Brian, you can show the, the, the pictures of driving where, where they would have to drive. I don't know whether, man, that might not be a good idea. <laughs> Is that possible? Yeah. Now, so we've got 21 of these Toyotas. <laughs> don't show them that. <laughs> this is Harry driving, what? Or is it Bill? Now, I got volunteers, and they say, what in the world? Why don't they take care of their bridges and their roads? Why don't they do that? They don't have any vehicles, people. They don't have any money, so they don't have any vehicles. So they don't need to maintain the roads. 
Is it bringing back memories? Okay. Now check out who's driving this truck. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Anyway, one of our lady volunteers, and we'll have as many ladies as we do men. I've done okay. All right. All right. Thank you. And 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 uh, Mike will tell you how to get a hold of me or I'll get a hold of me and, and I'll hand out a card or something. But please, you know, check it out. Check it out. It's extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.